Here we go, oh, here we oh, welcome to the Gerald Field Reporting Podcast. Hey Thony! Oh, welcome to the Gerald Field <laughs> Reporting Podcast! Is this really what we're doing? Right oh, welcome now? to the Gerald Field. I really wish I should have thought of some other that. lyrics. Oh, oh but I did not. Use your use your verbal musical improv skills to finish out the rest of that. That's what I was doing all the season. Sing it, say it. I mean, no, I mean, you know, I mean, you know what, Casey? Like, like I have sat through like we're on episode four of Hey Arnold right now. I've sat through yeah. four episodes of this, and the one thing that keeps on popping in my mind is this song really needs really shitty lyrics attached to it. Yep. I felt that. I felt that vacuum in the world. And I thought, boy, have I got some garbage to fill that up. Welcome back, folks, to the Gerald Field Report, where we watch Hey Arnold, because we wanted to watch Hey Arnold and talk about it. Uh, I, for my part, am the old steamboat captain, C.W. Hills. And with me here, as always, is uh, Madman Thony, the kookaburra cannibal. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Yep. I don't, I don't like Just the idea that on I'm a human leg over there, aren't you? Wait, wait, okay, because you call me a kookaburra, so my assumption is I'm a fucking bird that eats other birds. You know, I I said kookaburra <laughs> thinking it was a place, and as soon as it left my mouth, I knew that wasn't correct. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know the song, right? The kookaburra well, song, yeah. right? Eat, kookaburra, eat, partake of the flesh of your own kind. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's yeah. the lyrics to the song. It's true. Passed out, like, when I went to summer camp, that's what we were singing. <laughs> now, Phony... Riddle me this. Yeah. If given the opportunity to do so in an ethical and sanitary and legal nope. way, would you taste no. kookaburra? No. Oh, kookaburra. Kuk- Aha! You got me. You tricked me. I don't even I know what the fuck a kookaburra is, but I'd eat any bird. I'm a trickster god. Kookaburras are actually super fucking cool birds. They almost, they look like Pokemon, honestly. They don't look like real birds. Well, Phony, let's uh, let's get into the episode here. This is season one, episode four, Helga's makeover and the old building. Uh, yeah. A pair of episodes, or an episode that deeply surprised me for reasons that we'll get to in the second half. Uh, I just want to talk about something that made me really happy. So we're gonna our, our new format. The format we're playing with is that we'll go over the episode's basic structure real quick and then flesh it out if we find anything that makes us happy. We want to yeah. talk about, right? Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, I just want to say, it's not even in the episode yet, but at the end of the intro sequence, like the title sequence, after Helga says, move it, football head, and pushes Arnold aside, he turns and lets her through, and then turns to the camera and smiles victoriously, like he still wins, even though Helga's mean to him, and I think that's truly just representative of the eternal optimism and football-headedness that we find in Arnold. I don't know, it just makes me happy every time. Like, like somehow every... He's the kind of person that... Finds the good in everything and everybody, which we'll talk about in the old building because I have some stuff to say about the awfulness of people. Yeah, in, in he's not really episode. even in uh, Helga's makeover. Yeah, it's it's a Helga centered episode, which uh, there will be a lot of, of central character, I mean tertiary character uh, centered episodes uh, throughout it, which I think is good. Like, yeah, which is good. This is a diverse cast, and everybody has stories they need to tell, and. 
It's true. Uh, they really flesh out this cast, like, a lot. And it's not always consistent, and it doesn't always stick, of course, but, you know, that's the nature of episodic snapback uh, storytelling. So, basic upshot of the episode, um, Rhonda, one of the one of their classmates, passing out invitations. Helga doesn't get one. She pretends not to care. Turns out, whoa boy, does she actually care. Um, she decides that she is going to crash this makeover sleepover party, and she is going to be so goddamn feminine, it's going to blow their fucking minds. And it goes very poorly, and she decides, with Phoebe's help, that it is better to just be herself. Right? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's the basics of this episode. Helga changes herself uh, for the betterment of, betterment of others, realizes that she's better as who she is, and right. uh, becomes a better person in the process. At least I would hope yeah. so. And there is a there is a subplot um, focusing on the internalized misogyny on both sides of the gender divide, yeah. uh, because the boys, um, first of all, reject Helga from their baseball game, their baseball game, which they are having because the girls are having an all girl sleepover, you know, slumber party, whatever. They say, okay, well, we'll just have a boys' game of baseball, uh, which is really cool, and then uh, say, no, Helga, you cannot join us because you are a girl. But you should be at the girl thing. Oh, but wait, you were not invited because you are not a girl. Then let her play baseball! Yeah. This this episode does a really good job of, of, of showing just how pervasive childhood bullying is on all oh, yeah. sides of, 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 the, of the spectrum of children. Yeah. Um, um, Helga, as we know, is uh, the stereotypical bully of the school. I think her Correct. and Harold both sit in these... these similar positions of of this hierarchy of they're the bullies, they're yeah. the ones who torment and torture kids. Um, yeah, they're dice staff counterpart bullies. And really, it's really fascinating because both of them, like, like in a lot of ways, represent, like, like these dichotomies about their outward appearances versus who they are actually on the inside. Um, right, they're both very sensitive, gentle creatures on the inside. Yeah. Every single bird person in this episode, with the exception of Helga, is a bully. Uh, which is, I think, a nice dichotomy. Like, Helga is the bully in every other episode. Uh, Right now, she isn't. She is, you know, an island unto herself with every single person else, uh, every child, every every girl, every person in these neighborhoods are are awful. Even Phoebe, who, like, I want to talk about Phoebe and and her kind of character development in this episode, too. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff going on with Phoebe. I wanted to say, real quick, that, like, I I was never bullied, per se, as a child. Um, I, you know, I was a reader. I mostly kept to myself. I didn't really get involved with shit with other people. And when, when they attempted to bully me, I, I baited them into verbal exchanges where they were hopelessly outmatched, uh, or so I remember. And, like, so I wasn't, I had my fair share of, like, unpleasant interactions, and I had, I had verbal fights with kids a lot, so maybe I was a bully and I don't realize it? No, that can't be true. My point is, like, I've always thought about bullying in terms of, like, personal weaponization and focus on the victim. But what's made clear in these episodes, in this episode specifically, is that bullying is an articulation of reinforcement of the social norm. Yeah. Right, it's the it's the it's the weaponized enforcement of cultural mores because uh, when Harold makes fun of Helga, he doesn't say, "Look, you're a really bad person. You're mean to everyone, and you're probably why your mother drinks." What he says is, 
you're too girly to play in our game because that's the system we've got set up and you're not girly enough to be in that girl party because that's the way that system is set up and these things combine to make you yeah, bad. It's, it's, it's the, the idea that these cultural norms are enforced upon people. Nerds are bad because yeah. nerds don't play sports and stay inside and right. exist outside of what would be considered acceptable um, behavior for a child or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, right. But yeah, so... Well, and I mean, and we can we can talk about, like, the fetishization of sports as the only acceptable, you know, avenue for children, which really, which really came about in the 40s and 50s with anti-intellectual and anti-communist sentiment, right. where, you know, well, why do you need to be such a smart yeah. guy? Like, what, you know, why do you think you're better than everybody? You should just be strong, like, strong Which gym. is interesting, because, like, if we're rejecting uh, communism as an, uh, an ideal, then the... Uh, celebration of the individual rather than conformity to what everybody else is doing should have been what became the norm. But as we all know, uh, everything is not actually what they're they're about, and it's just people justifying being shitty to other people, uh, as we can see right. now. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, it, it's interesting. Uh, Someone, I forget who, maybe it was, no, it was one of the kids, says, I wonder why Helga isn't invited. And, like, that's that's what sets up this whole, you know, pink versus blue context. But, like, there are perfectly legitimate reasons not to invite Helga to things. It isn't because because she's not girly enough. It's because of her entire personality and the way she right. moves and I think world. that's very interesting, uh, because that is definitely not the reason why Rhonda didn't invite her. And I, uh, like, I want to say that Rhonda... Wellington Lloyd is the most awful person on this entire fucking show from the get-go. She is she is the mater familias Regina George. Like she is the queen. Like bitch. even the episodes where where they try to redeem her slightly, 100% of the time she goes back to being the vapid only caring yeah. about her appearances. Like, the episode where she gets glasses. At the end, she accepts, okay, yeah. it's good to have glasses. Maybe people who wear glasses aren't that bad. But at the end of the day, she's doing it because she knows she looks fucking good in glasses. And she doesn't want to take shit from anybody. Now, I, like, I, I enjoy right. strong female characters. I don't think that uh, Rhonda is a good representation of that. Uh no, she's not because her strength isn't internal. Her strength is in weaponization. Right. Her her strength is in the cutting down of others in order to make right. herself seem better. And that's not strength. That that is most base cowardice. That's the kind of shit we've got going on in the White House right now. And it's not. So, uh, like, like she does not invite Helga because Helga is not perceived as feminine enough to be acceptable to be at her Correct. party. We know that because what? Wanda accepts her into the party with open arms the second she changes her appearance. Correct. Uh, well, and what's interesting is, I I don't think that not inviting Helga was... I mean, because she could have made that really public. And she kind of did in the context of, like, handing it out in class. But, like, well, yeah, you're. I, I suppose she could have just done that, like, individually on the playground yeah, or something. Yeah, or slip them in lockers. By going up and down the rows... Yeah, that's right. Okay, so going up and down the rows was a very clear demonstration of you are invited and you yeah, are not. It was, it was, it was, was, it was, was a, a, yeah, it was a power move. move. 
She goes and creeps on all the girls that are hanging out. Uh, they are making hard fun of her at precisely the correct moment for her to see uh, from Yon Windel, where she peeps on them. And Phoebe joins yeah. in. And see, here's the thing: Phoebe, as we know, is a is a real is a real crony. She's a, a real starker to um, to Helga's Siegfried, and like. You gotta let off some of that steam, dog. It doesn't mean you don't like your friend. It just means that sometimes there are things about your friends that suck, and it's great here's to talk the thing, about like, that. Like you mentioned, she's a crony. I like, like, especially from this episode. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that's a case. Uh, I think she really well. That's how she's been set up yeah, so far. I, yeah, and this episode I think kind of shifts it. So there's a few things that I think are really fascinating about this. Um, she doesn't ask Helga's permission to go to the party. Which, like, I feel like right. in any of these kind of crony situations, well, I really want to go. Do you think I can go? I won't go if you don't want me to go. Blah, blah, blah. She's decided right. she wants to go. She's careful of not hurting Helga's feelings, but has decided right. she's going to go to this party no matter what. Um, yeah, and has prioritized her own wants and needs instead of predicating it on Helga's permission and impossible to predict mood. So, so while I think it's really messed up that, that, that Phoebe is laughing at them making fun of Helga because I don't know, like, I feel like Phoebe's Helga's best friend, like, even if there are issues and needing to blow off steam or whatever like that, uh, that behavior is in, unacceptable. Yeah, in that context, not cool. Exactly. Yeah, not cool. yeah. Dick move. Yeah. Uh, it's understandable, I just am not okay with it. Just like, it's understandable no. why every single person in this neighborhood acts the way they are towards Helga at this particular moment because in a lot of their minds yeah. uh, Harold says it best, it makes me almost feel bad for her. Almost. Almost. Uh, yes. Uh, because in a, in a way a lot of them thinks this is, she deserves it. She's an awful person. She treats us awfully and this is yeah. her comeuppance. Um, yeah, see, I mean, Dylan, our, our good pal Dylan uh, says something. He actually doesn't say it very often. He said it once and it stuck in my head and now I say it all the time, which is Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah. And Helga has devoted her life to playing a very stupid game for no yeah. reason. There's no benefit. It doesn't get her anything. But it's it's all she knows how to do. So she's seeing this and she, she says very well. I shall become an girl and make war on femininity okay. with its own there arms. There is uh, probably my favorite line in this entire episode is at this moment. Uh, she looks at Phoebe, right. and again, uh, we talk about we yes. talk about. Hey, Arnold does a really good job of of showing not telling. Uh, she looks at yes. Phoebe. Phoebe betrays her, and in the moment of betrayal, uh, Helga says et to Phoebe, uh, which is what yes. uh, Julius Caesar said to uh, uh, fuck Brutus. And in, in uh, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, uh, Julius Caesar, yeah, yeah, it's true. And that's again, that's another another nod to Helga's not even pretensions because that's not the right word. She's not pretentious. She's actually very yeah, intellectual uh, and her emotional. Intellectualism, her her yeah. learnedness, her. Her being yeah. a well-rounded, well-rounded well, individual. And even then, like, there's a difference between being extremely educated and extremely intelligent and, like, being able to see, ah, this thing I learned is applicable to this situation. I shall now make a quote, and it will yeah, be Yeah, but different. no. Like, those are different but, skill but sets. 100%, she learned this on her own. No fourth grade class is oh, yeah. studying Julius Caesar. No. Like, she, she, she took it upon herself to study it. And I think, like, like one of the episodes that I... This does a really good job on, and it's it's like kind of my 
there, there are two points I wanted to make about this episode. The first was was how pervasive bullying is in, in, in public schools. And the second off yep. is is a rejection of of sexist ideals uh, that our society has yeah. placed upon, especially young adolescent girls. Uh, yup, there's some real shit in there. Well, and what you talked about with Rhonda earlier. Well, we'll we'll get we'll get there. So, okay. So she says, "I will become a girl and beat them at their own game." She goes goes down yon mini mart. And she grabs a handful of magazines for it to serve as decoys and obscure her shameful yeah. purchase from the eyes of men. And she, this made me so happy. This show is incredible at little details that didn't need to be there, but just made somebody happy, and so they put them in. And one of them is, these magazines she picks up, there's like, they're just called Wrestling and Tattoo Tattoo. And there's one with a picture of a scarecrow that just says farmer woes and that made me that they i had to pause and turn to my wife and say do you see this shit and she said i'm doing homework leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) which is reasonable (laughs) but uh it, it was just a tiny detail that made me very happy so the the magazine she needs you know one of these gal mags that has uh tips and tricks on how to get your man and similar um it doesn't scan and the checker router says, of course, over the, over the what's it, you know, the PA says, can I get, can I get a price check on embarrassing girl magazine, please? Can someone please tell me how much this embarrassing girl magazine costs for this small girl who's Not standing right here? Not only is it embarrassing girl magazine, but it is a embarrassing girl magazine with an article, and it's probably the most fucked up article I've ever seen or heard or read the name of. Oh, I have a lot in, to say about in, this magazine, but yeah. Any kind of thing. How to make ugly girls pretty. It's eloquent in its brevity, Thony. It's direct and blunt and to the point, like a lot of the imagery inside, which we'll talk about in a minute. But there was something interesting that I definitely didn't think of when I was a kid. Uh, when they price check it, the whole store turns to look at her, and it zooms in, and of course she feels on the spot. But like, it, it occurs to me as watching, as I'm watching, that has to be a perspective thing. Like that, how that has to be how it feels, yeah. not what's actually happening, right? Yeah, like nobody right. in this, nobody in this corner store, this bodega, cares that Helga is buying embarrassing girl magazine yeah yeah because nobody cares what anyone does (laughs) but okay i have got some shit to say about this magazine she takes it home she goes into the bathroom locks herself in there like ralphie of old and the magazine cover it says as you noted it says how to make ugly girls pretty fashion issue blah 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 and in one corner it just says boys (laughs) 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 that got me complete boys are they like it just it made me very happy. So there's a lot of fucked up shit going on in this magazine, Phony. I don't know if you noticed this. Maybe it's just because I'm in a psychology class right now. But every advert in this magazine was incredibly sexual. Like the first one, it's called the key to femininity and it shows a key going into a lock and i'm like okay wordplay that's fine whatever whatever but the next one it's like for lipstick and it's a tube of lipstick 
overlaid on some lips and like you know you know me i don't i don't make sex jokes i don't talk about sex generally but like this is some incredibly overtly phallic stuff and i think that had to have been on purpose right because the whole point is that this bullshit this magazine is telling her is like it's 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 grooming yeah i mean that's right to be i mean i never noticed it like like i mean lipstick goes on lips that's what it is for so when i look at it i never saw it but also i'm 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 taking I'm not taking any kind of psychology class. I'm learning how to fucking yeah. teach kids the Dewey Decimal System or some bullshit like that. Do we ever? Uh, uh, we should cut that. So the no. Fuck <laughs> 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 you! That <was> awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, the did you notice the music they played while she was giving herself a makeover? Yeah, it was it was like French Barry White. Yeah. It was. <laughs> It was Bonri Blanc, and I loved it. Um, we cut to the boys. The boys are sitting around Omar's falafel wait, wait. hut. Like uh, you do. We gotta back up for a second before we cut to the boys. Back it up. Helga finishes up, her bitch. transformation, opens the door, her mom sees her, and faints. Correct. Which is right. kind of fucked up. It's kind of fucked up reaction to seeing your daughter try something else. Yeah, I mean, she's also an alcoholic. She could just have Ah, out. that's true. So yeah, Omar's falafel. So yeah, and we we have not we have not seen her up until that point, which is important. So the boys are chilling at Omar's falafel hut, getting their you know probably getting some hummus, maybe some. I fucking like like Uh, I want to talk about this falafel hut. Like this is where the kids go. Like like I love that that there are just multiple ethnicities and and cultures represented in this show. And it's completely normalized in the show. The, the kids are done with yes. their, the kids are done with their American baseball game, which is like America's yeah. favorite sport, America's pastime. And they're going to America's favorite post baseball game snack cart, which is falafel. Omar's, Omar's falafel. falafel. God damn it. Like these kids just it's fucking so like good. they're chilling Actually, out eating falafel. Like I wouldn't have eaten, I wouldn't have eaten falafel as a nine year old. Uh, I actually really liked the baseball diamond they did out in the middle of the street. That was some intense, like, neighborhood ritual stuff. That made me really yeah. happy. But yeah, they're just they're just chomping down on their falafel. Um, get some tzatziki sauce up in there. I'm just trying to remember everything my wife orders when we... <laughs> I don't know from Mediterranean food, but she does. Um, so Sid arrives. Sid is once again the herald. Right, yes. not not Harold the the, the character, but like he, <laughs> yeah. like this like Silver Surfer yeah. is unto Mighty Galactus. Yeah. Like he is the messenger uh, showing up, saying, "Hey y'all, uh, Helga done fucked herself up, and she's going to the party." And the boys instantly plan a raid on said party for some reason. Well, they're boys. If they're like it, just well, because it's it's, a, it's it's playing to the trope. If a girl is having a sleepover in a TV show with adolescent boys in it, the adolescent boys are going to, for whatever reason, need an excuse to come and spy in on the slumber party. Now, these kids are too young for it to be anything of a sexual nature, so they had to. Right. That's important. Uh, it's not. It's not pervy. Not in any sense. They're just. Which honestly, it it doesn't make it worse, but it takes it in a different direction of bad. Yeah. Like it's just like Harold's. Harold's instinct is to destroy when he hears about something yeah. like this. But they uh they they head over. They they do like a gear up montage. Everybody's got their their stealth yeah. gear on. Which Arnold, is good. there's there's two things I want to point out. Arnold is wearing the same sweater he rescued a prehistoric turtle in. 
that is Grandma yep. gave him. And Gerald's idea of stealth wear is the exact same shirt, just a slightly darker color. <laughs> yes. It's a, he found a look and he's sticking with it, Tony. Yeah. Oh, the Lockjaw episode actually reminded me. There was a bit when when uh, Helga said it to Phoebe, Helga has two voices, uh-huh. right? She yeah. has forward voice, uh-huh. and she has what I think of as down voice. Yeah. And that was very definitely in down voice, which conveyed pretty clearly that, like, that was really It hurt her. Yeah, it hurt her emotionally. So the guys are going to head over and wreck shit up, because as will boys do. So Helga arrives, and, oh boy, uh... She a mirror literally shatters. Someone's holding a mirror and drops it when she walks into the room because she looks like a lake bottom corpse. Well, I was gonna say she looks like uh, Liza Benelli, uh, which I definitely think they sure, they, they took. But really, post like like mid like drug addiction, Liza Minnelli. Uh, yeah. I definitely yeah, not Arrested Development. I definitely feel like they definitely took character designs from her to to create Helga. They they hookerized her. They they put they put every hallmark and visual cue of like overt commercial sexuality and maturity that could theoretically feasibly be put but, on a nine year old girl. And the end result is is justifiably horrifying. yeah. And I think that's a really like like they definitely could have made her. Uh, they could have done uh, she's all that kind of with her and made her gorgeous and Any stunning. Uh, which, uh, there are, uh, two other makeovers in this show in which she looks fantastic after she, she does that, but, but the idea that she is, is changing her look, uh, specifically for the benefit of these girls who have a preconceived notion of what femininity is, uh, the show takes a good, good, great pains to show that, she looks ugly. I mean, it sucks for me to say that she looks uglier in that form than she does normally. I think it's a very well, yeah, and that's the yeah. point. Like she's got she's got a great stubbly patch between her mono brow. She's clearly stuffed her shirt. She, you know, she's got these these monstrous uh, new uh, um, Rhode Island medium fingernails. Yeah. And and the point and like like you say, it would have been really easy for her to go like a different iteration of femininity. Like if she went like. You know, girl next door, or some some shit. Like there, there were ways, there were ways to have done this that wouldn't have been intentionally upsetting, and they went with this. We'll, for we'll a talk reason. about the other times this happens because, like, we there is no right. real. F- when we no, happen. I mean, I'll talk yeah. about them right now. So there's the the Valentine's Day episode in which she uh, gives herself a poodle haircut, which does not look good. But uh, uh, after she throws up and her hair kind of falls out and falls into this kind of natural state, she looks really good. And then uh, she changes herself to look like Lila in a, like, season five episode. Uh, both of those times uh. she, like, she's doing this for her own reasons, but uh, they're not, she's not doing it to impress and show her femininity. Right. Uh, this is, yeah, this this instance is a direct result of outs- what she perceives to be outside right. pressure. It's a reaction, yeah. not an action. Yeah, so she she walks in, um, she's putting on uh, pretensions of sophistication, she's calling everyone, Darling, and oh, what a wonderful party, oh my da, oh, it's so lovely. And it is going over a poorly. Everybody is flabbergasted. I No, I disagree. I think it's going over swimmingly from her. The girls are... are oh, really? Are 
in awe of her. They think she's gorgeous. They they want her tips. They want oh, all these things. Phoebe, because this is the artificial version of femininity with which they've been exactly presented. like like. And there's a really oh. good conversation. Phoebe, who is the only individual thinker in this entire group, which again I really like because right. it's really showing that she is not just a mindless stooge. They've kind of set up in the last few episodes for her. Uh, she looks at Helga and says, Helga, this is not the real you. You need to cut it out. Like, right. like, I like who you are. You need, I liked the you real need you. to be who you are. Like, like, stop doing this. And Helga is like, I have no choice in the matter. This is what society has deemed appropriate for me to look at, look like, right. and this is what I have to do. Now I'm gonna go put a bowl of guacamole on my face. Guacamole. Guacamole. Um, came up on my time hop today. Uh, well, and what's more, what's possibly the key to this conversation is the fact that Helga knows Phoebe was making fun of her, and Phoebe doesn't know yeah. that. So there's there's some back and forth that one party is unaware of yeah. in here. So she goes out. Guac facials are apparently the very last straw. This is the bridge she cannot cross, and she flips her shit. And says, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. Rhonda attempts to justify saying, this mask will reduce wrinkles and signs of aging. Which is ad copy, right? Like, that's something she heard in a commercial. And Helga says, we don't have wrinkles. We don't have signs of aging. We're nine years old. She's like, why are we wearing high heels? We're taller than all the boys anyways. Yes! She says, uh, 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 after she does this, Rhonda says, well, I guess I was wrong, Helga. I guess you're not like the rest of us. And she says, you're right, Rhonda. I'm not like the rest of you. I'm not wearing a mask, which is definitely something I did not pick up when I was a kid, but that's so beautiful. And Rhonda says, this is what girls do. What could be more fun than this? Here's the thing, and and this is something I want to talk about. Like, I think Rhonda's... Rhonda is completely valid in liking doing this stuff. I think there is there is yeah, something totally gross fair. about the the sexualization and and the the kind of grooming. Like we're we're teaching these kids that this is what they need to be. They're worrying about wrinkles at nine at nine years right. old. It's all awful. It's all awful. But I think someone else said this is what I enjoy doing. This is fun for me. I like doing this. And yeah. and, and and Helga does not press the matter for her. Helga's like, fuck you guys, this right. is what I want to be. But at the same time, she doesn't try to force her perspective of what, of what femininity is on on that. Right. She hates that shit. She goes on a whole rant earlier about how girl shit is ridiculous yeah. to her, but she doesn't begrudge anyone else having it. And that's honestly the correct attitude yeah. to have. Like, just... Like speaking, and I realize that this is a this is not the same conversation, but it's the closest parallel I have. Like as a dude, I'm told I'm not allowed to be pretty or have cute shit. Like that, my options, you know, vis-a-vis alteration of my presentation of self, are extremely limited. And like, if if that wasn't the case, if I could just like be, I, I don't well, know. I can I, I can really talk about it. About. So like like I've dealt with gender issues and gender identity issues my you know that like I don't hide it. Uh, my family isn't isn't right. very aware of it, but at the same time, like I've had conversations with my sister, where my sister's like, "No, I kind of get it," uh, even though I haven't overtly said it. So, so like for me, uh, this perspective of what defines 
someone in a particular gender and and gender ideals right. and a rejection of that is is hugely important to me. Helga is is no less of a girl because she likes to play sports and and has a rough and uh you know rough demeanor uh just right. as long as Nadine likes to collect bugs or or no not Din- yeah. is it Nadine yeah Nadine collects bugs I think it's Nadine uh, yeah Sheila's a drama geek and and Rhonda is is right. is vapid uh, <laughs> but like all of them are are equally feminine and equally yes. Rhonda's vapid Rhonda is giving kids cancer <laughs> uh, I want to delete that one just a too. reminder more kids have definitely died in America's concentration camps on the border than they have of vaping yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, gender stuff is bullshit. So here's that you can be whatever you want to be, just don't try to force anybody else to be it or pretend that your way is the only way right. to do something, is the essential right. sum up. And it's curious that this is an instance in which Helga is absolutely in the yeah. right, morally and philosophically. Yeah. And see, here's the thing, too. Like, y- you are correct that Rhonda is well within her rights to just, like, enjoy that shit, enjoy what you enjoy, God bless. But also, like... Fourth grade girls don't pick that up out of no- whatever grade they're in. Kids don't pick that up out of nowhere. Yeah. If she's vapid and judgmental and mean, she's picked it up from yeah, her and, and, and her, the like the, there are going to be episodes where you definitely deal with how like yeah. gross her parents are in, in those regards. And really, and and this exactly. is a good this is a good transition. Uh, pretty much every adult, with the exception of Mister Simmons, in this series are awful people. Uh, which leads us yeah. into our next episode. Uh, I do want to say one thing real quick. I do want to say one, because I thought of another example. Um, we're watching Gilmore Girls right now, and it is mostly really good. Lorelai is exhausting and would be a horrible person to know in real life. But uh, she goes out in one episode on a date with John Hamm, um, incredibly handsome, very young John Hamm and a really bad haircut, who uh, they have a terrible date. He spends the whole date talking about his car and the PSI in the tires and the racing engine it's got under it, and they don't hit it off, she doesn't enjoy it, anything. Um, And it becomes a whole thing where he's part of her mother's social circle, and it's actually a really big deal that she snubbed him and the ramifications and fallout of that. But, like, the... The implication is is made, it's not even an implication, it's outright stated that, like, because all he was interested in talking about was his car and his yacht and his uh, investment portfolio and shit like that, it's straight up said, he's boring and dumb and I don't like him and he's a shallow bad person because of that. But, like, that's his culture, yeah. right? That was his date talk. That's the stuff he's interested in. And while it is kind of bullshit, it's also valid that, like, that's the language he speaks in that context and he's part of that larger social world that does the same thing and Rhonda's the same way she's trying to speak a language in a part of a social group that she wants to be a part of and it it sounds like bad shit to anybody who's not a part of it but she is perfectly entitled to enjoy her her makeup and her fake press on nails and her frankenhooker makeovers frankenhooker that's the name of this episode frankenhooker probably that was a movie that I have not seen, and I'm really afraid that referencing it will be a bad movie. I didn't even know there was a movie. I thought you were just making a reference. I'm pretty sure there's a movie. I'm, am I thinking of The Brides of Funkenstein? I don't know. I might well, both be. of those are movies. I don't know. Part two! The Old Building. Now, Phony, I'm sorry, you said that uh, you had a lead-in for this episode. No, the lead-in is, is, is old people are awesome, and this is a very good episode to show just how 
uh, awful the people, the adults on this show, actually are. Correct. Um, do you want me to give a rundown of this episode? Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Ernie Potts, uh, local demolition man who lives at the, I think, is this his first appearance or is he in another episode before that? Uh, this is certainly his first speaking appearance. Okay, uh, he takes Arnold under his wing to teach him the ways of demolitioning as, uh, single 40 year old men do in boarding houses. Um, yes. Uh, Arnold becomes this kind of surrogate son for him, uh, find out that, Apprentice. uh, our, uh, Ernie's 500th demolition is coming up. He's going to demolition an old theater. Uh, Arnold goes home. Good. Join the 500 Arnold goes club, home baby. and finds out that this theater is actually very important to his grandma. Uh, this is where her and her Correct. Uh, husband uh, had their first date. Uh, very, very significant. Uh, Arnold finds out that's the theater that is going to be torn down. Arnold is torn between whether to... Uh, help his grandma yeah. or help this surrogate father that just came into his life. Uh, in reality, it's Arnold... A, it's a real two dates to the same Arnold, yeah. in reality, and this is something we're probably going to talk about before, just wants to drive a wrecking ball. Uh, that's all he really he wants really does. to do. And that's really Who the conundrum. Because he's, he's fucking nine. And of course, that's yeah, the reason real. why he was, he's torn between this. Uh, Arnold, Arnold, uh... Witnesses very, very childish behavior between Ernie and his grandma uh, in regards to this. Arnold, as he always does, comes up with a clever solution. Uh, the day of the wreck, uh, he uh, contacts the mayor, he contacts Dino Spumoni, uh, which we'll talk about, uh, and uh, saves the Circle Theater by granting it uh, uh, as a historical landmark. Historical landmark yeah. status. Yeah. So, I got some shit to say about this okay. episode. Um when I was a kid, I hated Dino Spumoni, and I hated episodes he showed up in. My grandfather was a choir director and arranger of, like, in that circle, he's a fairly big name. Like, people would know it if you said it. In in that circle, right? I'm not saying he's, like, a famous musician, right. but, like, his name yeah. is on stuff. And he worked uh, with... Frank Sinatra and with Dean Martin and with a ton of people. And as a result, in my childhood, I could not hear the fucking words Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin without hearing, oh, you know, your grandpa worked with him. Oh, my dad did this. Oh, my dad yeah. did that. And there's a difference between being proud of your father and the things that he's accomplished and just fucking name yeah. dropping. But let me tell you, when you're a kid, you can't make that distinction and you don't know which one your parents are doing and you get real fucking sick of it right. real quick. So... As a result, I had a major aversion to everything they told me my grandfather was involved in for a very long right. time, including, apparently, extending to uh, thinly-veiled expies of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, uh, named Dino Spumoni. Upon rewatching, holy shit, is Dino Spumoni the best! <laughs> See, and it's really funny, because, you know, the first thing I wrote in in my, my notes... Is it Dino Spumoni is the fucking it's, worst? It's, Dino Spumoni is literally the worst person, worst adult in this entire fucking series. <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, and that may that may transpire to be true. Well, okay, later so on, like, let's, yeah, let's I, and that's the thing. I, if I'm here's the thing, because we we both have the benefit of having seen every fucking episode of this series. So, right. in terms of like, I think Oscar Kakasha is the only single most selfish adult and, and piece of shit person. Uh, 
in this series oh, yeah. besides Dino Spumoni. And Dino Spumoni just continues episode after episode. I think, like, like if we do a case study on, like, the someone whose career is washed out and them coping with the fact that they are no longer culturally relevant anymore, uh, a lot of Dino's behavior makes sense. However, he's yes. a giant piece of shit. Well, that's later. Though. Yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. That's like how that's like how up until this yeah. point, Phoebe has just been a toady. Um, in this episode, Dino, it's it's just like Dino ex yeah. machina. Like he's just there to neatly yeah. resolve his, the his, problem. His of, music of the is fantastic. We definitely get it. It's so good. This dude. This was the golden age of music made for Nick shows. I had a whole CD. There were songs on the Angry Beavers. There was this shit. There was stuff on Rugrats, I think, a time or two. I genuinely forgot that the song in this episode wasn't legitimately a, a, a Sinatra yeah. song. Like, I, I, sing, I sing it occasionally. I play it in my head, and I forgot that it was from this Nick yeah. tune from 95. It's so good. Okay, so... Uh, we have the return of the intro... of the of the dream sequence intro. Um... Like like Miley Cyrus would later do, Arnold comes in riding on a wrecking ball. And uh, it turns out that he's just hanging out with Ernie. And Arnold needs himself a nickname. Apparently, you get a, uh, a nom de demolition. And Arnold wants a real cool one, like the Terminator. And Ernie says, nah, dog. You look like a, you look like a okay. bill so to me. So the implications of this is pretty far-reaching. What is Ernie's yeah. real name? <laughs> That's we'll never know because I I I, I not definitely Ernie. think it was established at that moment because everybody yeah. in the construction shed are just talking to each other with their nicknames because he doesn't say this is Arnold his nope. nickname is Bill I'm like no this is Bill I'm like oh hey Bill how you doing Ernie what is Ernie's real name it's uh-huh. definitely something that has nothing we'll never to do know with like I think it's like Bartholomew nope. or something along those lines. Philip, nope. Philip Sneush went to his grave. <laughs> we will never know. Okay, so we see that the we see all these other uh, nicknames on on various wrecking balls. Uh, we've got Big Bertha. We've got Black Thunder. We've got T Mini Martunis, which is really good and something I definitely didn't get when I was a kid. And we've got Judgment Day, which are which are all really good. And then we've got Bill. The idea being, of course, that and I don't know about you, like if I see some dramatic shit on a wrecking ball, that's one thing. But like if I look out my window and I see a giant metal ball just labeled Bill swinging by, <laughs> that's that's gonna be much more confusing yeah. and terrifying. Bill's gonna come and get you. Yeah, no, God, no. <laughs> that's the episode title. There it is. Bill's gonna come and get you. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, uh, once again, Grandma decides that the thing she's doing is the most important thing in the entire world, uh, and it's, and the, the stakes are gradually shored up on both sides of the argument, why this is more important, why demolishing and why saving the Circle Theater is more important than the other yes. perspective, and it really is, Arnold finds himself in a real, you know, Greg, Dady and Greg Brady invited two dates. You know what I noticed? What? So... Ernie brings Arnold into his room to show him the the model of the shit he's going to demolish. I never noticed this when I was a kid. His apartment is full of bricks from every bit. Yes, he's a very sentimental man. Uh, There's uh, the episode where they collect collect rent. uh, That number has just grown and increased. Like like I remember noticing that. Wow, he has a lot of bricks in his room. So they definitely play up on that later on. so back to what we were talking about with oh so so here's the thing, in reality there is only one moral 
truth, more one moral answer to this conundrum. And that is to save this historic theater. Okay. This theater, I mean, okay, there are issues with the theater. Are you saying, are you saying this or are you saying the episode is saying I'm this? I'm saying this. Okay, go on. That, like, like, they play up the conundrum for Arnold. They say, well, right. should I save the, the theater or should I not save the theater? Like, I, I get that, that Ernie right. is, is this, this kind of avatar as a, of a parental figure for Arnold. Uh, yeah, well, and that's an important thing because Arnold, like many men who don't know their fathers, collects father figures, yeah. right? But at the end of the day, Arnold, like, like, and, and it shows at the end of the episode, Arnold saves the theater. That was the only logical choice that could happen in this. Arnold has to save the theater. Uh, and, like, and it goes on to, like, like why I think that both the parents, like, Grandma and Ernie, are just awful, childish people in this fucking episode. Because uh, both of them approach this in the worst possible way they could have. Yeah. Um, like, like at the end of the day, the theater had to be saved. There was no way that that, that theater was going to be turned down, torn down uh, by the end of the episode. Why? Why? Uh, because of the emotional significance it represents to one person in the show. Like, like... Nonsense. Nonsense? You you disagree? Like, let me, let's, let's hear your disagree. I think it should have been torn down. Really? I think it should have been torn down. I think that Arnold should have been able to share this rite of passage, this important thing that, that Ernie has been working... Let's say he does... Let's say he does one demolition a week, uh-huh. right? That's probably a little slow, but whatever. So, 52 weeks in a year, 52 demolitions in a year, it's taken him 10 years to get this close to the 500 Club. He's he's choosing to share this moment with Arnold. Admittedly, it's not as important to Arnold as it is to Ernie, but it's still a, a, an important moment with a father right. figure that means a but lot to him. it's not Arnold refusing to... Like, if, if Arnold had refused to participate in the demolition... I think that would be another right. story. This this isn't yeah. like this doesn't ha- this theater specifically does not have to be his 500th demolition. Like this this point. theater could have okay. could have okay. been Fair saved point. and if you say once a week he's he's doing this then in less than 7 days he'll have another one lined up and he will be ready to demolition the next thing that he's doing. Like like the significance right. is of the demolition not where th- the demolition is happening. It just so happens to okay. coincide. And that's why, at the end of the day, the stakes were higher for for Grandma than they were for Ernie. Mm-hmm. Ernie could have that's a point. Like, lived on with his life without this theater being demolished, and in a couple days, right. he would have had his big moment to share with Arnold, and it would have been amazing and fantastic. Well, and later, as we learn, had he known that this was where Dino Spumoni premiered that song, the song which got him into demolition, the song he plays to scare the bricks, which is the most terrifying thing I've ever heard in my life, had he known that, he would not have have not have wanted to do this for his 500th club anyway. So, and that, that gets us to the point here. Uh, the day arrives. So, you make an excellent point. Arnold has no stake in either side. 
Arnold, he doesn't want to save the thing because it's important to his grandma. He doesn't give a shit about that. He just doesn't want to be caught in the middle. So he eventually, uh, as you noted earlier, he comes to the place. He finds the sheet music. Apparently, this place was frozen in time after the Dino Spumoni show. Like, everybody just left their shit. Like, the sign is there. There's sheet music. Anyway, he finds the sheet music, and then he calls Dino Spumoni. The morning of the of the wreck arrives. So... Grandma Gertie has chained herself to the thing like crazy people have done ever since chains were invented and things were going to be torn down. Oh, Arnold had to... He went to call someone. We didn't know whom at that point. He had to bang the phone receiver three times uh, in order to make the... What do you call it? Uh, the payphone work. And that made me really happy. I, I never even really noticed that. Like, watch that episode of Billy Ted's and yeah. that. It made me happy. It seemed like a... I don't know if it... Well, it wasn't a ritual, clearly. He needed to do it to work. But, like, that was a nice little city life touch. But anyway. The morning arrives. Arnold Ex Machina. He shows up and says, Whoa, whoa, cats and kittens. Slow your a-reckon and your a-protestin', respectively. Because Mayor Dixie Ex Machina. This is the first instance we get of Mayor Dixie. And somebody says... I thought we recalled. I really, her. really think that, like, I really liked, uh, like, I liked the idea that. Oh, they absolutely recalled her. She just never, never gave. Oh up yeah, her she just didn't leave. Power. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I, it's even better than this. She has a re-elect uh, mayor Dixie uh, button on. That means she's probably not mayor. She's just still doing these fucking publicity events, and nobody realizes that she's not the mayor anymore. Yep. She's been recalled. It's a real Leslie Note she's, move, she's honestly. She's been recalled, so she's trying to get herself back in these positions. Yep. <laughs> trying to drum up some goodwill. So she shows up and says, Hey, guess what, gang? Spumoni ex machina! And Dino Spumoni shows up, and uh, he he says, how yous all doing? <laughs> because you have to start off on a strong stereotypical yeah. foot. Um, he says that he, man, like, knowing that this guy is supposed to be an XB and parody specifically of Sinatra and Dean Martin makes it a little softer. But, oh boy, is there some problematic portrayal here. Uh, he, you know, has a very stereotypical, hey, it's a me, kind of thing. He said he punched some of the finest photographers in the world Fair. at this theater. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if, if there's uh, one specific group of people that I feel like should, you should be allowed to just punch whenever you see them, it's paparazzi. It's the Italians. Oh, yeah, Jesus that's Jesus fucking also. Christ, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, buddy. And I'd like the record to state that Casey has said it is acceptable to punch Italians. This has been recorded. This is probably going to be deleted because Casey is going to cover his shame. But oh no, this is here uh -uh. for everybody to hear. No, no, uh, I just worked on too much MasterChef. I've seen too many people boiled down to oh, I'm Italian. Okay, for some okay. reason that means I should okay. win. Okay, okay, but but literally, literally, the most you ever see in that fucking show are Southerners <laughs> who do that. Literally, fucking Gerard, yeah. no, Gerard, no, uh, one uh, no, last no, no, season. Do, do, no, I. Thony, you literally don't know what you're talking I worked on this show I transcribed hours of All my Sicilian angels Just be with me and help me uh -huh. not be an embarrassment uh -huh. To my ancestors uh -huh. and, and Gerard literally just made 
slightly God, elevated awesome. versions of every southern dish. And throughout that entire process, Joe was yelling at him. Uh, Gordon was ra- yelling at him. Marone was yelling at him. You need to do something different other than fucking southern food. And Jerron is like, no, I'm a southerner, and this is all I am capable of doing. And every fucking southerner in every so... single show does that too. Now, Italians do that too. Yeah. But... It's not great. It's just how it is. Hispanics do too. Like I have, I have a, I have a headcanon about this season. I think Joe was really stoned for about half of the episodes, because <laughs> half the episodes he was real mean, Joe Bastianich, and in the others he just walked around eating the food and you're like, yeah, I was really good. Give me some more of that. And just like I don't, it just, it just like popped an edible before they started filming. I think, I think the problem is Joe left and he came back and they don't know what to do with him now. Like, yeah. He's not a he's not a chef as much as he pretends to be. He's yeah, he's, he's not a chef. He too. has certain instincts and certain certain knowledge yeah. pools that are useful, but I will say it made me really happy that like let me say up front, I don't have any problem with people in the military. I have a problem with the way our culture interacts with the idea of people in the military and those are separate things. But I will say, because it's another thing like being uh, Italian or like being from the South that is really easy to boil an entire person down well, to as a single like identity. Like you could say I've seen it happen that too much. maybe this is something to do with reality shows and how every single person on these reality oh, shows definitely. need to be boiled down to a single oh, personality trait. Like, uh, oh, the fucking no, Harvard no, no. Oh, totally. kid. Hundred, uh, yeah, Harvard yeah. guy. Yeah, Harvard guy. But my, my point is, I actually really like Harvard guy. I was I was sad he went home. I thought that was some bullshit. I, uh, but, I'm, uh, I'm behind an episode. I, I, I didn't know he went home. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I don't care. Um, I will say that the interrogator lady, quote, quote, I love that the show was really unsure how to, like, well, how do we get those points for her being in the military, but also not highlight that she probably tortured brown people who had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and they were just really unsure. They wanted to get as close to the line as they could without going over. <laughs> and it, it, it made me happy. I don't, I don't know. Um, so yeah, Dinos Pomoni shows up. He's like, hey, I punched photographers and wrote songs here, yep. and that's why this place should be saved. It's a me, stereotype Dan. So, uh, they have a dance party ending. The, uh, Ernie decides that he would never knock such a building down, and Dino Spumoni literally just runs away from Ernie because he's too clingy, just gets back in his limo and takes the fuck off, which is totally fair. Uh, and then Arnold gets in the wrecking ball and, and plays the tape, symbolically melding the two things that had been at odds the entire episode. Yeah. Uh, and they have a music video, which is great. Because, again, Arnold didn't have a stake in either side. He had no horse in this race. He just didn't want these two people to be fighting. And so he found, again, as is Arnold's way, he stepped aside and found the most elegant way to let the problem solve itself with its own momentum instead of trying actively to force something, which is pretty cool. The Dow of and Arnold. it shows that Arnold is one of the most mature people in the entire show. Like... I feel like if by a if, significant if, margin, if Grandma and Ernie had sat down and actually had a conversation with each other for more than thirty seconds, or if she had even said, "Hey, Dino Spumoni played a lot. And I know you like Dino Spumoni. Maybe don't tear this down." Yeah, uh, things would have been resolved. Except you have the worst dinner scene I have ever seen in my fucking oh. life. It was yeah. rough, and and it's just 
they're they're just awful childish people, and that is a recurring theme in this entire fucking series. Especially uh, yep. when we'll get into a later episode uh, where our namesake comes from. You just realize how awful adults really are in this series. Oh, the Gerald Field report. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. The Gerald Field yeah. episode, rather. Yeah. Well, Tony, uh, what's our next episode? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let me look. That's at fair. I'll look it up real quick. Give me, give me, give me a, give me a second. Hey, Amonode. Hey, Arnold episodes wiki. Well, the problem is, like, hey, we're going through the Hulu order, which may not necessarily represent what the actual production order is. Uh, episode five. Oh, son of a bitch! Is, you're right. Uh, yeah. Sixth grade. And sixth grade girls and the baseball, and the baseball, yeah, which is not the order that we have it listed here in the yeah. wiki. Okay, you're you're right. I, I think we found this last time that we can. Well, that's what we get for going a couple months between recordings. This is, this is really good. So, uh, on the recurring theme of of washed up uh, people who are well past their prime, uh, we get our introduction yeah. to Mickey Kali, who I actually think is one of the best oh fucking God, characters in forgot. this entire series. But Mickey Kali. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Okay, well, that'll be fun. All right, listeners, uh, so watch episode uh, whatever order you find it in, Sixth Grade Girls and the Baseball for next time. Until then, uh, tweet at us. Let us know what's going on. And also tell us uh, which single characteristic that MasterChef boils people down into uh, you find the most personally also, spiritually offensive. Also, which uh, MasterChef uh, winner is uh, arguably the best and why it is... Crap, why can't I think of her name? Oh my god. The blind chick. Christina? Oh. No. Is I, that's the problem. Because I wanted to call her Christine. I'm like, no, because there's Christine Tosi. Uh, I think it is. I think it's Christine. I think Sarba. It is, it is. It's Christine Ha. That's correct. I like Luca. Luca is one of those characters. Luca's Luca awesome. is one of those characters, though, that I was literally the entire season screaming at my screen. How the fuck is he still in this competition yeah. until he won? He was a real Suba. And that's what I really yeah. thought was going to happen with Suba. They were really playing up just how I awful do he was. And, and then he got eliminated. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, that's, that's, well, all right. Uh, that's, that's for our MasterChef podcast when we eventually start yes. doing that. Absolutely, I will 100% do a MasterChef podcast. Do it. Are you kidding you need me? Need a good name for it. Write on our Twitter what our MasterChef podcast name should yeah. be. Well, and more to the point, the thing I was going to say a million years ago, I don't know what our Twitter handle is going to be right now, but you can probably find it referenced uh, with any of our other shows, like The Final Podblum, where our pal Nick and I read through the Sherlock Holmes canon, or Dyson Virtue, where our pal Dylan runs D&D, or, uh, you know, we got a couple other projects in the cooker. Listen to us, uh, listeners, on whatever you like. Get at us. Let us know what you think about things. Tweet at us. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to do a mailbag episode. Whatever. Until next time, all our buddies. This concludes the Gerald Field Report. Bye. Adios.